Hey, Scott. Yes, Adam. Happy anniversary. Did you get me a present? Happy anniversary. Coming to you almost live from an abandoned oil rig off the coast of Nova Scotia, this is The Unknown Studio. I'm Scott. I'm Adam. And we are your hosts. And we're thrilled to be doing this show from the first location we ever recorded this show from. Very true. With uh, guest Brittany LeBlanc. Hello, Brittany. Hello. Now, you've been waiting here for a year for us to return, is that it? It has been very cold. It has been very cold. But well, before we start talking to Brittany, let me just tell you what we have coming up for you in the show today, because... This marks the first episode of our second season. And the first episode of our brand new format. That's correct. So, what that means is that we are going to do a variety of different things on top of an interview with Brittany. Things that could possibly blow your mind. In fact... No, no, not possibly. Let's be honest. Yeah. With our our 50s of listeners. They will blow your mind Right out the top of your head. You will have the finest aneurysm ever because of this show. The finest aneurysm that no money can buy because we're literally giving the show away to you for free. It's free. I don't know if you noticed that over the course of the last year, but you (laughs) actually didn't have to pay us for anything. So later on in the show, we're going to have Scott performing a dramatic reading. Uh, We are also going to answer some form spring questions that we've received. We're sort of stealing a page from our friends at Make and Whoopi on CJSR who do this on a regular basis. And we will have an interview with uh, bicycle blogger and lady about town, Miss Sarah Chan. It sounds amazing. It sounds terrifying. How does it sound to you? I just really wish you would have left the light on. Well, Scott has this thing for stealing light bulbs, and, you know, he likes to take them with him, and and then he throws them at the neighborhood children, I think, usually. Usually. Now, when I spoke with you over the uh, walkie-talkie on a ride on the boat in here, you had mentioned that you'd prepared stuff to discuss. Brittany has actually prepared our show for us today. Now, let's just quickly take you all the way back to the very first episode of The Unknown Studio. Uh, Brittany was our first guest. She was talking about social media. And we made it clear that we wanted to have her back for our anniversary show. And there is a reason for that. We will get to that later on. Yes. But we really didn't have a specific reason to have her on other than the fact that she was our first guest. So she took it upon herself to uh, justify her presence here. Oh, that's what you've done? Yes, I have. Outstanding. Um, oh, you're, you're going to read to us. This well, is great. a fun fact about podcast number one of The Unknown Studio. Um, I actually never listened to it, and neither did anybody else, because it's the worst-rated podcast ever. So I'm still not sure why you brought me back. I uh, don't agree. The results on iTunes, after I bribed a whole bunch of people into reviewing us, are that we are at least four and a half stars. We're, we're a big deal. Thanks, Mom. Yeah. Anyway, Continue. Lambasting us, if you would. Well, there's no topic for the show. Um, you only brought me back because I never did the Fast 15. That is correct. And that is what we were going to get to later. But we'll get to it now, not the Fast 15. We'll get to the reason why. Because I made the Fast 15 up on the spot. That That's during the second episode. Yeah, I was like, this is boring. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I wasn't like that. Was I like that? 
I don't think you were like that. Not uh, and if and if you were thinking that, you were thinking that about City Councilor Don Iveson, who is exceedingly boring, exceedingly boring, just drones on and on. I love you, Don. Anyway, um, <laughs> so one of the reasons that we've asked Brittany back on the show is not only to free her from the uh, the uh, the gulag-like conditions of this abandoned oil rig, because you have a job in Edmonton that you should be doing. So you, you've probably been filing stories using... Do you know how hard it is to file a story from an offshore oil rig off the coast of Nova Scotia? Fortunately, you have your BlackBerry with you. Oh, I don't know what I would do without that. Did you oh. plug it into a wall? like, Or did you just have one of those batteries that never dies? I have uh, one of those flashlights with the crank, <laughs> and I just crank them until the battery charges again. <laughs> Her, her phone is actually, she's lying. It's powered by the theoretical arc reactor, which is also housed in Brittany's chest. Okay. I don't know where you were going Wait, with is that, that an Iron Man reference? I think so. I think so. Okay. I think that's just me being an idiot reference. Okay. We'll be referring to that a lot this show. Iron Man or you being an idiot? Me being an idiot. Oh, Probably okay. Iron Man. No, a little bit guess? of both. Probably Star Trek. But the exciting thing, one of the many exciting things about having you back on the show, aside from freeing you from your captivity, is that you'll be doing the Fast 15 in a new format. We've added (gasps) new questions. We've replaced some of the questions that don't work. And it's going to be tremendously exciting for you. Well, that's good because I was worried that this was going to be you know, I was going to be the Matt Damon to your Jimmy Kimmel, and the Fast 15 would just never, ever get done. And then at the end of every episode, you would just be like, sorry, Brittany, we didn't get time to air your Fast 15 again. We've run out of time. We've run out of time. I'm not into bumping guests. No. Not like, I don't want to be that guy. No. We'll, we'll leave that to the Lenos and the Lettermans and the uh, the O'Briens of the world. Right? Mm, yes. Okay. <laughs> So this is Adam coming to you almost live from the Edmonton Jazz Festival. I'm sitting here with Sarah Chan. And Sarah, what is it that you do? I am one part musician, one part teacher, more specifically piano teacher, and uh, many parts mom. And uh, and y- your son Dexter's here with us, and he's not really in the talking mood right now. He's more in the mood of shoving things into people's mouths, because that's hilarious, isn't it? And, uh, and so I just wanted to talk to Sarah about um, what it's like being a mom, working from home, and, uh, you know, how, how her life is different as a result. Because, Sarah, you used to work in, a, uh, like, a music school. Yes. And, and uh, you know, what was, was the transition to working at home difficult? Many things about working from home as opposed to a school were different, uh, meaning... I didn't get the opportunity. Sorry, baby Dexter's trying to shove a part of the microphone into my mouth. Um, I didn't. I don't have the opportunity to daily have colleagues at my work. Um, however, working at home, I get complete control over how my business is run and how I deal with my clients. So in that way, and and the because I don't have to transport myself to a school daily, I gain so much time back by working at home. So it's been very different and I didn't really have any expectations about what the change would be like, but it's been a very good transition and uh, easy to do. What do you think that the most significant impact has been 
because you, you mentioned having to drive because you live sort of near the University of Alberta and uh, and you were commuting to West Edmonton Mall. How, what, what kind of effect do you think that kind of lifestyle has on people? Well, I think it's a pretty sedentary way to live. I mean, I would commute to West Edmonton Mall because there's no really good way to ride a bicycle from the university area across the river to the West End. And then once you get to the other side, there aren't a lot of secure places to um, to tie up your bike and also being a music teacher I would work until around nine in the evening and then that's also not a good really time of the day to bike all the way back to Belgravia where I live. Um, I think not being outside and spending a lot of time in a car on a freeway generally makes people um, sedentary and kind of bitter. On any given day when I used to work at the school there would always be, every single day, there would be complaints about traffic and um, the state of traffic here, the state of traffic there, running into this kind of driver or that kind of driver. And now that has been completely eliminated from my life. So did you make the transition before you became a mom? No, uh, the transition occurred about two months after I had the baby. I finished work in June last year. And then Dexter was born at the end of May, so that happened all around the same time. Actually, my water broke while I was administering some exams. That must have been awkward. Yeah, no, it was weird. I went to the bathroom because I wasn't sure what was going on. And you were peeing your pants. No, I thought maybe I peed my pants because I've heard that's happened. But it wasn't pee, and there was no trace of uric acid. So uh, since since there didn't seem to be more water leaking, I actually went back and completed administering those exams for the rest of the morning, and then I went to the hospital. And anyone who knows Sarah would know that that is pretty typical behavior. She's she's kind of a one of the hardworking types. Although that's that's pretty dramatic. So was it was it then uh, easy or, or was was having Dexter, your, your son, an added challenge to the, the home-based work? Having him hasn't been the challenge. Um, learning how to balance um, the schedule and finding the available caregivers for him has been the challenge. So who are you really leaning on to, to help you out with that? It's been family and friends this year. Um, I'm, I'm not the kind of person who is afraid to ask for help. Uh, people offer help and I follow up about those things. I don't feel the need to be a hero and I, from what I've seen of other new moms, I feel as though I may lack whatever hormones are necessary that make you feel like you're bound to your child at all times and I can honestly say when I'm focused at work I'm generally focused at work and when I'm with the baby I'm focused with being the, with the baby however I, I think a lot of that has to do with trusting the people that I have um, I have solicited for his help so he'll go over to my parents' house or uh, my husband's parents my in-laws will come over and help me look after him and on the days when someone's sick or it's not going to work out, I ask a friend and I'm very lucky to have some friends who are also self-employed and have flexible schedules. And at the very, at the worst case scenario, I can always cancel yeah. my day and, you know, because it's my business. Or um, every single person who comes to me is a, a mother with children or a dad with children. So they're very understanding about my situation. Now, Dexter is trying to prevent me from talking to Sarah. He's, he's become very territorial. It's almost like uh, like a scene from Planet Earth. He's being shipped off to his auntie right now. Um, now, you also run a, a fairly popular uh, blog. Would you tell us what, what it's called and, and what it's all about? Yeah, 
it's called Girls and Bicycles, uh, and it's at Blogspot. So girlsandbicycles.blogspot.com. We need to get you a vanity URL for that thing. You know what? I have one. I just haven't done anything with it yet. Um, it's about active transportation, and it's about a, a you know normal person in a typical North American city that is uh, endeavoring to be more active in transportation choices. And uh, generally speaking, it's about bike riding uh, around Edmonton and how you don't need anything special to do it other than, you know, the bike and uh, a willingness to try alternative forms of transportation. And uh, how, long, how long has it been up? Why was it created? It's been up for, I think, uh, two years. And actually, it began as a... Um, it began as a project for a class I was taking uh, for my master's at the U of A. And I was in this feminism, documenting feminism course or something, and we were talking about third wave feminism and how it's hard to define and the avenues for third wave feminist writing and publication are totally ambiguous these days. And so as a final project, I began the blog kind of a, just as a whim, but then um, it turned into a it turned into um, a really appropriate place to talk about my bicycle advocacy. So I just kept on doing it, and uh, the response has been really good. And you know, I get I get both uh, fan mail and hate mail. Okay, what basis. what kind of hate mail could you possibly get? Uh, I get a lot of hate mail about um, the helmet thing. Sometimes I'm photographed without wearing a helmet, and then people make a huge issue about you know not advocating for cycling with safety and being irresponsible. And that's just really unfortunate because um, people are so black and white about a lot of issues. And and regardless of whether or not you're black and white about helmet laws or advocacy. I think the important thing to understand is that everyone has to make their own choices. And, and ironically, I do bike with a helmet about 99% of the time. So, uh, I don't know. I think some people just love to hate. And that's okay. I have a thick skin. Yeah, well, the internet is uh, replete with trolls. Yes. They, I think uh, my brother is one of them, actually. <laughs> Why would your brother come and be a troll? I don't know. It's this whole, uh, maybe it's the, a, a cultural thing where where if you're a like first-gen Chinese-Canadian, you're not allowed to actually tell someone that you care about them. So instead, uh, he reads my blog while he's at work at the bank and then trolls on it and leaves me really mean comments. However, I can tell that they're him because of his abhorrent, like his embarrassing lack of punctuation and, and sentence structure. So... That's how I know it's him. So you can really hold that over his head at least. We don't talk about it. I kind of think he's proud of his troll status and I kind of like to let him have that 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 power. He's 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 a really interesting individual. I I, I haven't told him that I know it's him. How does the rest of the community respond to him when he comes on there trolling? They're usually pretty good. Generally because I I respond to his trolling and uh, I think he knows that I know. But um <laughs> He, he usually drops it. He usually won't follow up troll, at least not on that post many times. And the community can see me let I stand up for myself. So I don't think they feel the need to intervene. So um, do you, now that you've, you're doing this blog thing you have for a couple of years, you're working from home, you have a new son. Does blogging and your use of like Facebook and Twitter, does that make you feel more connected? Was that even an issue before? Uh, I'm a pretty social person and I'm also... Um, I'm out and about a lot, though the blog has in many ways allowed me to publish myself and that's a huge thing, especially when you're, you come from a background of academia. 
you know, it's always talking about your research and your your publications and going to conferences and basically sharing your ideas. But there's this whole process you have to go through to get funding and to have a supervisor. And, you know, it's a lot of, um, there's a lot of process that goes into that kind of writing. And I was freelancing for some magazines for a while, and that was all good too. However, I've never found another venue for writing and publishing myself that speaks more to what I'm like and, and who I am. And I can do it at my leisure. And the sort of people that the blog attracts, I feel as though um, attracts people who seem to have a clear definition or a clear idea of what I represent, as opposed to... Um, you know, academic writing, when I think people can um, a lot of the time hide behind their research. Um, on the other hand, it is also weird to meet people all the time who, who seem to know a lot about me because I share a lot of myself. Yeah, you, you've, uh, I've known you for a number yeah, of years. And you've uh, never had uh, any real filter, I would say. No, I, uh, I, I, we live in a world that is, is constantly about um, reading signs and coding and uh, not actually saying what you mean, but suggesting what you mean constantly. And although I understand that one has to be mindful and tactful and um, responsible with the way they communicate with other people. At the same time, I'm not really, it's just, just never been my personality to um, spend a lot of time on coding and m having mixed messages. I just like to communicate clearly. Yeah, fair enough. Now, do, do you know if any of the parents of, the, of your, I guess, any of your clients uh, read Girls and Bicycles? I think some of them do, and it's kind of, I don't know. I always feel pretty self-conscious about that when it comes up. Sometimes somebody will make a comment about, you know, liking a dress or something, and, that, and that's fine. But um, usually the ones who read it don't say anything to me about it unless I've, like, featured their child or... Uh, and in that case, do you let them know that you're doing that? Yeah, I, actually, I ask for their permission because um, that's the reason I'm not on Facebook. I find it really creepy when people uh, circulate a photo of me or, you know, uh, when I can see pictures of my own wedding on someone else's Facebook page that I have never even met. I knew it was time to remove myself. So, so <laughs> this is horrible. In one way, I, I enjoy the online community when it comes to the blog because it's essentially a, a monologue and not so much of a dialogue. And I find that with venues like Facebook, there's a lot of um, dialoguing that you, that's imposed onto you and that's why I'm not on the Facebook. But I do enjoy the Twitter. And why, what, what is it about Twitter as opposed to Facebook that, that attracts you? Uh, I, I think Twitter can fall into the same pitfalls and traps that bother me. The, the things about Facebook could also exist on Twitter. However, the way I, I, I think the nice thing about Twitter is that you can see a lot about the way someone communicates via how they use Twitter. And I find that there's a, mm, it's easier to individualize how you reach people and how you communicate with others on Twitter more so than on Facebook. Facebook just strikes me as strange, like junior high uh, social dynamics, and it uh, seems kind of amateur and, I don't know, not not particularly meaningful. However, I, I feel as though with Twitter, you have the choice to follow the people whose messages who you think are meaningful, and um, if you don't want to, you just don't follow them. Note to our listeners, Sarah follows me on Twitter. My messages are meaningful. <laughs> <laughs> now, one last question. <laughs> While you laugh at me, um, would you ever go back to, uh, say, working at a school? I think only if I owned it and operated it myself.
Is that in the cards? Um, I think the future is is something that is yet to be determined, and a lot of that has to do with uh, kids, next kid, whether Don gets reelected or not, and um, how I feel. I'm actually I'm so perfectly happy. Content sounds like it's a bad word, but I'm I feel very fulfilled working out of home. Actually, what I really enjoy about it is that I've started to cultivate a client base that's really neighborhood based. So many of my students walk to my house and the the local aspect of that is makes me really happy. I'm glad to be someone in in the community that can offer a service that people appreciate and, you know, want to partake in. How and and my house is, you know, uh, a home, it's a place for the baby, and it's a place for social gatherings, and it's a place for my business. So in, in some ways, my home is a very mixed-use area, and I like that my house is frequented by people and that there were people using the space at all times. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. We've been talking with Sarah Chan at the Edmonton Jazz Festival at Louise McKinney Park. Thank you, Sarah, for chatting with us. Thanks, Adam. Are you looking for current, relevant, highly specialized digital media instruction? You need to seek out The Guru. Guru Digital Arts College offers intense six-month programs that simulate real-world projects. You'll work in small classes in a casual professional environment and meet industry pros who offer a mentor-style approach to learning. Some institutions make the same claim, but with Guru, you'll develop the confidence to get out and become a part of the digital media community. Come visit us anytime. Check out a class, talk with our instructors, and be part of the Guru experience. For more information, email info at gurudigitalarts.com or call 1-877-429-4878. So were you a big fan of Heroes then? Um, yes, unfortunately. Okay. Did you watch Did you watch the whole series? I've watched every single thing of Heroes they've put out there. And aside from right now, do you often readily admit this in public? Um, yes. Okay. Because I think that Heroes, it was a genius idea. I mean, if they didn't have so many characters and so many plot points, it would be a lot better. And the writing started out really strong during the first season, and they just... I don't know. And every single time that they had a really good plot point, they would just jump over it and they wouldn't do it. Like, um, at one point, Claire got a job at a comic book store, which I thought, okay, cool, because then she can see the comics that have been written about them and she can learn different things about different superheroes and I bet this will be a great place to converge a whole bunch of different heroes, right? No. She only had that, ep- that job for like five seconds in an episode and then Never had it again. Have you noticed now? Um, I'm I'm in the same boat as Brittany. I I've watched every single episode of Heroes that has been made, knowing full well that basically every season after the first one was garbage. Mm-hmm. And and the reason now Scott nearly spoke. <laughs> I, I, I was going to agree add. with you yeah. basically, and that was that seemed pointless. Now so. now didn't you tell me the the reason that it sucks? You you know the reason that it sucks. It was never meant to be more than just a, a miniseries, yeah. basically. Well, yes and no. It was it, the original plan was that the first season would be completely self-contained, and then they would start the second season with an entirely new crew of characters, and it would be very uh, kind of like each season would be its own self-integrated serial. 
And unfortunately, some of the characters from the first season proved so popular that the uh, the network meddled and went, no, no, you have to keep these, you have to keep Siler, you have to keep the Petrellis, you have to keep Claire. You better and they be were keeping like, the cheerleader. Come on. And they were like, oh, uh, okay, well, we'll see what we can do. And then the writer strike happened, and that didn't help. Oh yeah. Oh, wow. And that uh, apparently there are uh, dropped plot lines all over the place from the second and third season. Like Peter had a girlfriend who he left in a post-apocalyptic future, and it was never mentioned again. We just pretend that didn't happen. Yeah. Wait a minute. Which which girlfriend did he leave in the future? Um. Do you remember when Scarface Peter came back? Yes. Um. Well, Scarface Peter and normal Peter switched positions. Oh, hang on. Spoiler alert. Continue. <laughs> crud. <laughs> so present Peter goes back to the future with his girlfriend mm-hmm. and um, there's this post-apocalyptic every um, superhero is caged because everyone has this disease that's been wiping out humanity and yada 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 and he finds a way to get back but he doesn't bring her. Right. Oh, the Irish girl. Yeah. That's the one. Right, right. And they just kind of left. Well, you know, she was Irish, so. Yeah. You don't, you don't need to be lugging that baggage around. They also killed Bria Grant. Why would you do that? Which was who? The speedster. The little cute. The cute pixie girl? Yeah. Yeah. I met her at Comic-Con last year. She's so adorable. Was she nice? Yeah, so nice. I wonder if you, do you meet people at these events who are just absolute douchebags? I think most of them know to behave themselves. Right? Well, there's some presume. people, I think, that just have... Such an ego because there are so many of these fans who come out just to see them and touch them and whatever, right? So mm-hmm. they have this huge ego. So I know that I met one person at Comic-Con that I was kind of really excited to meet. And then I saw that they were kind of a little douchier and I still really love them, but <laughs> you know how it is. And you're not going to reveal who that is? I'm not going to reveal you're... who it is. Okay, well, we'll ask her later and we'll post it on the website for those of you who are uh, interested. Oh, great. Now that's not going to happen, is it? Probably not that you've just... Uh, no, but it was a good face. tease to get people to the website. That was nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, go to the website. Okay, we're done. That That's good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I work in marketing, and I don't even know how to... So was Zachary Quinto really the only reason you continued watching Heroes after the, say, the abysmally terrible second season? No, I just love superheroes. I love pretty much everything to do with superheroes. And I really love anti-heroes and supervillains. See, and I do too, and that's why I stopped watching Heroes. Because Heroes was actually uh, hurting that genre. Agree See, or disagree? I disagree. Okay. I don't really like Superman. I just don't. He's probably the most boring superhero. Well, everyone loves Superman. He's a man of steel, so fast, blah, blah, blah. I don't like him. But that means I just like... I know that he's an integral part of the culture, so I don't mind that he's in a whole bunch of things. He's in Justice League. He's kind of cool or whatever. Fortress of Solitude. And I kind of view heroes in the same way. Like, I really love heroes for what it was in the first season and for some of the character development. And I'm hoping that the next miniseries movie or whatever they make to wrap up this next little bit will be just as good as the first one because they kind of owe it to the fans. And so I just think that it's something that you kind of have to just get over because it's not its not going to ruin the entire genre. It's just another part of it. And you know what? Maybe watching Heroes encourages people to get into things like Superman or Birds Maybe. of Prey or it's the X-Men an, or whatever. Another entry point. Now, yeah. we before we started recording the show, we were talking about the, the term jumping the shark. At what point do you believe Heroes jumped the shark? 
Uh, Brittany, do you even think it jumped the shark? Oh, goodness, yes. Okay. It jumped the shark, and then it went back and jumped it again. Yeah. And then it went back and jumped it again. They actually and, yeah. they actually had to get a permit for the number of sharks they had in one confined space. Some sharks were harmed in the, the jumping. jumping of that series. <laughs> well, I believe that they, they lined up a whole bunch of sharks and then had Hero jump over a whole bunch of them just to get them out of the way. And then when he was done, he said, Yatta! Because that was, <laughs> that was his thing. He was very adorable. Yeah. But I, you know what? He's probably my least favorite character. I hated all his storylines pretty much. And probably the biggest jump the shark moment was when he went back into the past. Just in the second Oh yeah. When season. he was in, in like feudal, feudal Japan. Japan. Yeah. I I like time travel, but I also hate time travel. I, I really enjoy time travel. I feel like it's a great way to spend a weekend. I think time travel is uh a bit of a crutch that a lot of series rely on too much. And Star Trek is the prime <laughs> offender here. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But Hero's definitely used as a, uh, as a bit of a crutch there, too. I mean, Hero's ability to travel through time was an integral plot point in the first season. And then later on, it was just like, well, what else can we have him do? Well, and why don't we ever see super cool Hero with a sword, you know? Hero has always been this really sniveling kind of overly sensitive hero mm -hmm. which Peter's already that we don't need another one <laughs> yeah. well they wanted to get someone who wasn't American to be the sniveling big baby weirdo so was it offending American sensibilities could have been oh yes I actually really liked Peter Petrelli I secretly wish that I had been the cheerleader so that he could have saved me hmm. I think he's a terrible character do you? I do I think that he was way, way overpowered. And, uh, I mean, on the one hand, yeah, in the first season, you, you almost needed that as a counterpoint to Siler, but then where do you go with him? Yeah. He's way too powerful, and it's it's the same problem that happened with the Matrix trilogy. There comes a point where the, there's no longer any uh, any risk for him. There's no He's no longer in any danger, and you it's like, well, why do I care about the adventure you're going on now. But that's why you don't put him in danger. You get the cheerleader and you say, hey, Claire, now you're going to be all angsty teenager because that's what she is. And she's going to run off with Siler and go anti-hero. So the two of them are going to go do nefarious things, not gross things because she's underage, but nefarious things. And he's going to be torn because he, they have this connection, right? So then that will make him a little more angsty, a little more like, I'm going to go save Claire and he's got something to do and... You know, he's not just whining, sad. There's that the almost just turns Peter into like a plot device and not a character. The thing that, the thing that I liked about the first series, was that all of the good, all the heroes, needed to come together to defeat Siler. Even though Peter was all powerful, that that was what they had to do in order to get rid of him. After that, I agree. I think Peter's quite useless. If you're going to continue to have a character like Siler then I think one of the hallmarks of the series should be, this sounds so ridiculous and so after-school special, but people coming together to fight against, because they all have different abilities, right? So coming together to fight against this one being that can't be defeated by just someone who is unbreakable or someone who runs really fast, you know what I mean? Heroes is a totally missed opportunity. Agreed. And the mm -hmm. first... The tragedy, the real tragedy of Heroes was the first season was so good. And if you've not seen it, seek it out. Watch the first season of Heroes and then pretend that that's just where it ends. 
don't bother watching yeah. anything else because it'll ruin it for you. Pretend that Claire never has that curious phase in college or that the whole carnival thing happened because really there was a whole bunch of build up there and then it just kind of ended. Yeah, it was just like, why even introduce that, that, um, you know, Claire's, I, I guess, pseudo lesbian relationship. I mean, I, it's cool that they addressed it, but it was like, it was almost like one of those episodes of The Simpsons where you see the writers of the Krusty the Clown show sitting, or the Avicii and Scratchy being like, well, what the hell are we going to do? And they just come up with random ideas that don't actually fit together. That's how that felt. I was like, oh, cool. They're addressing, you know, like sexuality on a show that young people watch. And, oh, wow, it actually is completely meaningless because it doesn't go anywhere. That itchy and scratchy analogy um, actually describes exactly how I feel about Glee. Oh, really? Yeah, where it's just like, okay, what can we tackle this week? And then they throw a whole (laughs) bunch of ideas in a hat and they pull a few of them out and then they patch them all together like some Frankenstein monster with musicals. And throw in some 80s music. Yeah. But that's that's what modern musicals are like, really. Have you ever been to dinner theater? It's like shabbily put together, sorry, <laughs> plot oh, lines no. and, and uh, terrible, terrible music. Sung pretty good, like done well. Well, the... <clears throat> Nobody said anything about the quality of the actors, just the quality of the show they were in. I would never comment on the quality of the actors. I know too many of them. They would become offended. In this next part of the show, Scott and I will answer random questions from people of the internets. Now, it is worth noting that the people of the internet are a combination of insightful, intelligent nerds, jerk asses, and uh, 12-year-old boys. Masquerading as 40-year-old women. Yes. Yes. So... uh, Understand that these questions, which I must stress are real questions that we received on the internet, are all utterly insane. First question to to Adam and Scott and guest Brittany. Ooh. If you could attend any concert, what would it be? Ooh. Hmm. Hang on. Lots of noises. Hmm. The, the real question is any concert... Performed by a musician, dead or alive. So, so what are the parameters exactly? The living or the undead? Can it be a fake concert? Like, can we go to see the Blue Lady in the Fifth Element? Because that would have now, been a good show. It is worth noting that it is not specific. So I would argue that both of those are uh, acceptable answers. Now, I, I should say that Brittany has brought up a really excellent uh, question whether the musician can be fake or not, and you've said yes. She, the, the, the diva from The Fifth Element, Plava Laguna. Wow. You, I love, that I watched just that totally movie. impressed me. I probably watch that movie once a month. Wow. I, I love that movie. Next time you have to invite me over, because I've not seen sure. that movie in years. Okay, anyways. She was phenomenally good at singing and also terrifying. Yeah. No, totally. I was just like, I was watching her and I was just... Under her spell, because she was so beautiful, but at the same time, no. Sinister, almost. Totally sinister. You know, she had, like, that that head, her so I don't know if she was wearing a hat or if she was just an alien. I think she was an alien. Probably a little bit of both. An alien hat. But her head was shaped like the aliens from the same film, the same name. And it had dreadlocks on it like the the Predator from the film of the same name. I, I question her motives. Also, she had rocks inside of her belly, so that was kind of weird. 
Uh, that seemed normal to me. Did it? Yeah. Not my not my ideal concert, but it sounds like it might be yours, Brittany. Um, actually, I'm going to really nerd out here. Uh, I would love to see Jonathan Colton live. I think that would be really fun. I don't know who that is. Uh, he is a nerdy songwriter, and he sings all kinds of geek songs like um, Re Your Brains, which is a great little zombie ditty. Um, the Portal theme song was his. Um, <laughs> he's he's just a genius. I On love note, Code have Monkey. You, have you seen the trailer to Portal 2? Um, no. I know it exists, but I haven't seen it. Okay. It's good. It's really good. Okay, my, my, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to answer this one straight. If I could attend any concert, I would like to see, I want to see Bob Marley live. He's dead, of course, but I, I think that would be tremendous. The man was once shot on stage and insisted on finishing the show. Wow. I think. I might be making that up. I probably am. But there you have it. He's like the Ryan Smith of musicians. Yeah, yeah. You can knock him down a million times and you'll still get up and try and score a goal. That uh that one got away from no, me. I, really I apologize. Work. What about you, Scott? Um See, I'm not I'm not huge into music and so I uh I can't really think of a of a, a really like funny or bizarre uh type thing I would like to see. I would like to see uh Flight of the Concords. I think they're both very funny. I think their music is is very intelligent and witty. And I'm told that they are very funny in person as well. So I think that that would be a a good concert to go and check out. Just a note, uh, the the taller gentleman of the two. Jermaine? Jermaine. He was in a film called Eagle vs. Shark. Yes. Which I never recommend you ever see. Oh. It was just fucking awful. The shorter of the two is in another movie that I don't recommend you see called Lord of the Rings. Who does he play? I, I do actually recommend you see that. Uh, he was like elf number two in the background oh, during no the council way. scene. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I would love to have a, a film credit. Like, I'd like to have a film credit at all. Next question. Another question. Next question. What one thing are you exceptionally good at? Hmm. There are so many things that I am exceptionally good at that I just don't feel comfortable answering this question. Uh, we should probably mention that uh, in this case, we'll limit answers to things that you are exceptionally good at with your clothes on. Oh. oh. Well, that's that narrows the list down Indeed. actually quite significantly. So, um, hmm. Things that I'm, I'm exceptionally good at conversating. That sounds so ridiculous. I, I, I have a knack for talking to people. I could, I could bullshit with anybody for hours. You give excellent dialogue. In fact, that's the purpose of this show. Basically. Yeah. There you go. What about you? No, I'll start Scott? first. I am exceptionally good at Dungeons and Dragons. Good at playing, good at being the game master. Dungeon Both? master? Du- sorry, I'm sorry. I apologize. My ignorance is showing. I'll cover it up. Uh, <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm uh, I'm good with improv as well, and I'm good on my feet, and I like games, and I like social games that bring my friends to my house and empty out my mini fridge, and we have a good time. I like that. And uh, when I say Dungeons & Dragons, that can apply to any tabletop RPG. I've played many of them in, in the many years that I've been doing it with various groups of friends, and uh, I like playing, I like running, 
and I consider myself to be good at it. And the the proof is there because my friends keep coming back to play with me. So there you go. There it is. And, and I'd like to stick up for Scott here with this. Um, we all know that you're a good conversationalist. So I don't need to stick up for you there. Um, but actually, Scott got me into Dungeons & Dragons. Um, when we all served, we were all working here, he was like, hey, do you want to play Dungeons & Dungeons and Dragons? And I said, oh, no. Because how gross is that? Like, it's all, like, fat dudes and Cheetos and smelly mom's basements. So wait, wait. Smelly mothers who have basements or basements that are smelly that belong that to mothers? Basements that are smelly that belong to your mothers. Okay. Um, so I didn't want to play, but I said, okay, you know what? Scott's a cool guy, and I might as well try, you know? Nothing harmed, nothing whatever. And now I love it. And it's not as nerdy. It's not Cheetos. I mean, we had veggies the other night, and, like, um, we all love Diet Dr. Pepper, which is crazy, but yes, we all love it. And that... it's great because it's more, it's not so much a nerdy, like, number system so much as it is a creative writing. Like, everyone is, yeah, everyone's uh, exercising the creative uh, side it's, of their brains. It's, uh, the way that I've described it before is it is cooperative storytelling. Hmm. I'd also like to say that I also stuck up for Scott in hopes that he'll give me a unicorn in the game because I really would like one. She Has she been lobbying? She has been lobbying for a unicorn for some time. Okay. Now, that doesn't really answer the question, which is what are you exceptionally good at? What am I really good at? I don't know. Um... I would say, if I may. You may. That you are exceptionally good at... Um, finding bizarre and interesting stories and then telling those stories. Okay, I was going to say that, but I didn't want to be all like, I'm awesome at telling stupid stories. No, I, I have to but... say, I really enjoy like reading your blog posts and stuff about, um, you know, Get to Know an Edmontonian. That series has been fantastic. Your investigative reporting around the West Edmonton Mall whale. Oh, I mean, I th- these are the kinds of things that I think people find fascinating and interesting. It's... It's just fun, and I'm happy that I have a job where I can do stupid stories like this. And stupid not in the fact that any of the subject matter is stupid, but in the way that basically when it actually, you know, gets measured up to actual news like G20, you know, maybe not important. But I like the fact that I can do stories on dominoes tournaments and make them fun and learn new things all the time. And when it comes to something like Get to Know an Edmontonian, I believe that every single person is interesting in their own way. Mm-hmm. And I would love to feature every single Edmontonian because I think they're all really cool. That's a philosophy that we share. Yeah, that's the whole reason we're here, really. Next question. Did Han Solo shoot first? Yes, he did. Han Solo is a is a rogue. He's a man who walks on the edge. Oh. And he shot Greedo in cold yes, blood. Yes, he did. I agree. He killed that green bastard usually, before Greedo had a chance to pull the trigger. Usually the question is asked the other way around, so I became confused and defensive. Absolutely he shot first. Greedo was just sitting there like some kind of rube trying to bra- blackmail him. Didn't even know that Han Solo was taking his gun out of its holster and pointing it at that little fucker. This Stop. is a scene at the Cantana or the, the Cantina. Cantana? Cantana? I, I don't know. Let's I don't, go on see, down I told, to Cantana. I told you, stars, we're on track. <laughs> um, you know what? He didn't shoot anybody. Um, no, the robots couldn't be there. Oh, you're just being a contrarian um, now. No, you know what? It was the bear. Um, <laughs> the bear. That, that bear. And the reason I call him the bear is because of a How I Met Your Mother episode where um, Stella, Ted's girlfriend at the time, watches 
uh, Star Wars with him because it's Ted's favorite movie. And uh, she's like, oh, I love it. And then in another room, she tells Marshall, Ted's friend, uh, that she thought was stupid because everyone listened to the bear. Like, all right, bear, that's right. Let's do that. So, yes, the bear shot first. Chewy. The Wookiee. Let the Wookiee win. So there you go. Those are our answers to your ridiculous questions. If you want to send more questions to us, go to formspring.me forward slash unknown studio. It's the League of Extraordinary Media, the Edmontonian.com, TrueBrittle.com, the Unknown Studio, user created content. It's a bird, it's a plane, it's a guarantee of quality Edmonton-based online content. If you're interested in joining or would like more information, visit leagueofextraordinarymedia.com. And now, a dramatic reading with Scott C. Bourgeois. Greetings. It is understandable that you might be a little bit apprehensive because you do not know me. Please forgive this unusual manner to contact you, but this particular letter or email is of exceptional and very private nature as by virtue of my vantage position in Hong Sang Bank Limited, Hong Kong. I have a lucrative business proposal of mutual interest to share with you. There is no way for me to know whether I will be properly understood, but it is my duty to write and reach out to you, trusting that you will give this proposal a positive consideration. I am Mr. J. Chan, one of the director of Hong Sang Bank Limited here in Hong Kong. I will need you to assist me in executing a business project from our bank worth $25.5 million US. These funds were deposited with our bank by a customer of our bank who is a national citizen of your country and or region who unfortunately died in the December 2004 Asia tsunami disaster. The deceased's account has been declared dormant since 2006, and these funds will be confiscated and declared unserviceable and turned over to the Hong Kong government if the deceased relations or business associates did not claim this money. Since all efforts to trace any living relative of the deceased proved abortive, I have decided that I will have you claim this money as the deceased business associate and or next of kin, since you are from the same country and or region perhaps have some similarities in certain areas. Everything concerning this transaction shall be legally done without hitch, as I was the deceased's account officer and all the relevant documents of this deposit were kept under my care. I will, in the course of this transaction, send to you all of my legal and valid identities and also our bank website, where you can see my pictures and resumes for your reference. Please endeavor to observe utmost discretion in all matters concerning this issue, as I hope that you are a sincere, honest, matured person, and above all, trustworthy. Once the funds have been successfully transferred into your account, we shall share it in a ratio of 30% for you, 65% for me and my associates in the bank, and the remainder 5% to take care of contingencies. 
I will prefer you reach me on my private email address below. And finally, after that, I shall furnish you with more information about this operation. I am counting on your anticipated cooperation for a successful and hitch-free business transaction between us that will be mutually beneficial. Please, if you are not interested, delete this email and do not hurt me, because I am putting my career and the life of my family at stake with this venture. Although nothing ventured is nothing gained, as it is said, the taste of the pudding is in the eating. Do give this proposal serious and positive consideration. Your earliest response to this letter will be highly appreciated. Kind regards, Mr. J. Chong. sponsors to thank they make the show possible the first among them is a longtime sponsor of ours we call them the, the edmonton, edmonton journal. journal those ink-stained wretches decided to uh, support us when we were pursuing the golden dream of having our own podcast we'd also like to thank the people at guru digital arts college uh they do some pretty fantastic stuff around design web design that sort of thing in fact Sally Poulson from the Edmontonian.com recently graduated from there, and she said, and I quote, get the fuck away from me, Rosenhart. And we'd also like to thank uh, our newest sponsor, the Traveling Tickle Trunk, the sex-positive adult toy store located on White Avenue and 101st, 100th Street. Sorry, 100th Street. And there you go. So you've obviously managed to keep up on popular culture. You managed to keep watching Heroes. And I, I swear to God, I've seen, I don't know, like a doppelganger or a robot of some kind that looks like you wandering around Edmonton doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, I do have a robot double. Okay. Because um, some days a girl just needs to sleep. And, uh, you know, the robot double goes out and does things. So I occasionally hear a beep boop, but uh, don't worry about that. Okay, so... So you basically had a Buffy bot version <laughs> of yourself built. Yes, except for uh, not as violent. I, I disagree. The encounters that I had with Brittany Bot were, were very violent. A lot of hair pulling and screaming. Mm. It was quite upsetting. But you've you've been your and you and your robot have have still managed to stay involved here in Edmonton. Uh, you've done some interesting things this year, including the Girl Geek Dinner, the first ever Edmonton Girl Geek Dinner. Yes. And we, we we've spoken with her about this on the website. Yes. If you go well, to the, you spoke with Shauna about it on the website. That's true. I don't have yeah. your perspective. Which is cool because uh, Shauna answered it way better and actually made reference to a Buffy bot, which I loved. Well, and that's why. Because we're big nerds like that. We've sort of woven all this stuff. Do you guys see what's happening here with this show? You're weaving Circular. like a basket. Yeah. It's amazing. Yes. Yeah. It's like we're riding a carousel of hilarity. beautiful words and interviews. Mm. I, I don't know. And hilarity. And hilarity. Can Probably. I have the unicorn? Yeah. Yeah, well, you can ride the unicorn. That's not a euphemism, everybody. <laughs> no, I just really actually like unicorns. She's riding the like unicorn. Unicorns. Wink. <laughs> you broke her brain. <laughs> no. So, so was that exciting for you to, to basically put together this event that is an internationally recognized phenomenon? Okay, it is not only exciting, it's super duper exciting. Okay. Um, because I couldn't think of any other adjectives. I was really lame. <laughs> um, but anyway, Shauna came to me like, 
over a year ago. And she was like, hey, there's this thing that they do in London. It's called Girl Geek Dinners. These are super fun. Uh, it's a great way to connect with other female nerds and, like, have dinner together and talk about things. You get bring in speakers and um, I don't, you just do fun things. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, yeah, sign me up. And then a year went by. <laughs> and then one day, I don't even know what we were doing. We were talking about something, and she's just like, you know what? No, we have to do this. And I'm like, yes, we're going to do this. We're going to get it done. And we threw together a dinner, and we had it at Kaylee's, and we sold out within, like, the first few hours. Yeah. And then we added more tickets, and those sold out really fast as well. So it's crazy. There's this huge, huge group of people who really want to come and connect like this. A geek community. A geek community. It's like a geeky community or something that has to do with immunity. I'm stealing geek community, actually, okay. by the way. It's That's not a, it's not a great portmanteau, but it, it's descriptive. Now, um, you're, you're doing your next event in July, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it's uh, July 29th. and um, It's sold out. It's sold out. Sold out, again, within a few hours. It was insane. This is the first event we're charging for. Um, typically in... Uh, the UK, they don't charge too much because they have big sponsors like Skype or Google or, you know, Microsoft. Um, we don't have any of that. So we are going to charge just to cover the cost of everything, like dinners and event rental and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, even with the cost, it sold out ridiculously fast, and it was awesome. Cool. I've- are you guys looking into getting any sponsorship for your Geek Girl dinners? We absolutely are. I mean, we would love tons of sponsorship, tons of prizes, because we like to give away prizes at every event. Um, but it would also be great because we want to do a gadget night where mm. we actually bring in um, Apple or Microsoft or somebody like that who brings in their gadgets and says, hey, for those of you who haven't played with an iPad, here's an iPad. Play with it a bit. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the HTC Hero. Let's talk about... Um, all these types of phones that maybe some of you have. Maybe you guys have this Android phone. Are they this? Well, yeah, Android's like the operating system, right? Yeah. And HTC is one of the, the product lines yes. that, that runs the operating system. I realized that when I was saying it. I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. Um, maybe they have an Android phone or something like that, and then everyone can play with it, talk about which phones they like, which phones they don't like, the problems they're having with, you know, the iPhone 4 or whatnot. Yeah. Holding it and talking, apparently. Well, um, you know, I like to grip my phone from the top instead of the sides, and that really helps. Hello. Yeah, I know that. I, uh, I will say this uh, to Apple, because I know Steve Jobs is, of course, one of our 50s of listeners. He absolutely is, yeah. Um, when you design a phone, the very first thing it should be able to do well without a hitch is be a phone. Yeah. After that, you can add in whatever you want, but make sure the first thing that it does with no problem is sends calls and receives them. The iPhone is just terrible for dropping calls. But every phone drops calls. Yeah, but not to this degree. Yeah, but that's what they say. I'm going to point out at this time that my BlackBerry has never dropped a call. I, I have an iPhone and it drops a call probably five times a week. I have a BlackBerry and my phone never drops a call. Unless I'm at my apartment, because my apartment building is actually some secret uh, government bunker, which doesn't allow phone calls. Oh, you, you all the lead lining in the walls. Yeah. Evidently, yes. Yeah. The radiation. Well, mm, so much radiation. That said, when the bombs fall and the mutants take over the wasteland, uh, you will be perfectly fine. You won't even have noticed it'll have happened. Oh, just because I want to hear Britney squee, and because you just said something uh, that 
made me think that I could do it. How excited are you for Fallout New Vegas? Oh my goodness, you do not even know. I know. It's... I'm I'm so excited. I I'm speechless. Like it's gonna be so much fun. I really think that I I need to let Rachel, my girlfriend, know now that there she's not gonna see me for months after that game comes out. And you know what? That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, not for Rachel. Sorry, Rachel. Well, maybe it is. But uh, maybe Rachel and I can finally get around to our girl date and watch Buffy. Because she's never seen Buffy. There you and go. I think that's an integral girl geek watching thing. So you can distract me with video games and steal mm-hmm. my girlfriend. Precisely. That's, that's been my plan all along. Yeah, I th- that's what I thought. Yeah. Um, that's kind of mean, though. So anyway, we're talking about the girl geek dinners. Yes. Um, um, and we don't just want to do dinners. We want every fourth one to be an event. Um, like going to play laser tag or watching a geek theme movie or what have you, like painting robots. Yeah, you were you were so I went to the first girl geek dinner. I was invited by a girl. I was not. That's very sad. Why are you looking at me like that? He's not a girl. He can't invite you. I, I couldn't invite you. It was just a kind of general glare. Oh, everyone got glared at who's in the room, including that weird dude in the corner. What's he doing here? Don't worry about him. Okay. Anyway, uh, yeah. so, uh, so uh, you went to the first dinner. I went to the first dinner, and uh, now I forget what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. No, I remember now. And so I went to the first dinner, and Brittany kept going on and on about painting robots? Yes. Robots that paint. They're painting robots, robots that paint. Um, and actually, at the end of the night, we asked for suggestions, and a number, a number of you said, give Brittany painting robots, which I appreciate because I want a robot. Uh, not a creepy robot that's going to take over the world. I will crush that. They'll all take over the world one day, though. Not the painting ones. I can't imagine a Roomba taking over the world. They don't have limbs. I don't know, man. What if the the suckage that they engage in currently could be turned into some kind of propulsion? Those things could actually be weapons. Kamikaze style. Think about it. So a painting robot is about the size of a teacup. <laughs> And uh, the girls in London got to make them because they actually hooked up with a robot, a robotics company. Um, so if there's an Edmonton-based robotics company that wants to help me build robots, thank you. Um, so you build these robots. I let you drink tea. It was a little tea luncheon. It was really cute. Um, and then after everyone was done building it, you let it loose on this canvas. And you put some paint in it, and it goes, and it draws a, pin- a picture on the canvas. And it's quite delightful. I like really a, want it. Uh... It's it's like modern art. It's not like it draws a unicorn or anything like that. Does it? it? No, it's it will be very modern art. <laughs> mine but mine will always be a unicorn. Yeah, yeah. no matter what. Yep. No. What's that uh, black canvas? Oh, that's a unicorn. Mm-hmm. Can't you see it? Anyhow. Yes. <clears throat> moving along in our discussion with Brittany LeBlanc. Now, so you you're a self-proclaimed geek, really into Buffy. Yes. Among other things. Yes. How is it that you've only seen one episode of Star Trek? Because I don't really care for stars, Trek, or wars. I just don't. Um, I haven't seen many episodes of Doctor Who either. Are you afraid of space? No, it's, it's the, the final, final frontier. Yeah, it is the final frontier. No, it just doesn't... I don't know. Red shirts and Klingons and little kids having mud baths with old people that's just weird is that the only episode she's seen <laughs> apparently that's the only episode she's seen the one where alexander goes on a spa date with deanna troy's mum now i'm going to point out that it is incredible that she mentioned little kids in mud baths and you immediately knew the episode <laughs> she was talking hey, that's man. actually kind of scary 
No, it's not. It's uh, it's the only Star Trek episode featuring a mud bath. Like, what the hell? Don't oh, to... well, I'm sorry. So you're just not into that. that stuff. I am just not. Um, even Doctor Who, I know you both are Doctor Who fans, but to me there's no end game. So I'm just like, I don't get it. I just don't get it. You know, the, the the one criticism I will say for the Star Trek universe is that it's just filled with a bunch of pussies. This, Unless their name is Benjamin Sisko. Who is totally badass, according to Scott. But they live in this universe that's like, it's Fisher-Price almost, you know? There's this socialist utopia, everything's free. If you don't have it, just replicate one. Oh, you need food? We'll just put in the magic replicating machine. Like, lame. Yeah. Like, just design, making stuff out of particles. Now, you see, Firefly had it right. You know, there were space cowboys. They had to go steal things. They got to shoot things. And it was fun. And It was real frontier yeah. stuff. Super frontier stuff. Final frontier stuff, you might say. Or? You look so delighted with you yourself. Might not. I am. I'm actually... <laughs> I think I'm quite clever. <laughs> I'm not, though. All right, let's be clear. I know that I'm a I'm an idiot who loves Star Trek. Just an aside, have you ever thought about leaving him here for a year and we could just do this for the next year? Many times. I am insulted <laughs> and unsurprised. <laughs> We've all been thinking of leaving me here. Right? Actually, so have you, actually. Yeah, I, I actually, I think I might stay. It's a nice place. I put up curtains. Yeah, I really do like it. It's tastefully appointed. Mm. And, and, you know, you, you, I think it's actually cleaner than when we, when we arrived. Oh, it was all the little guy. I didn't have any part of this. So who is he exactly? You don't want to know. Okay. Just like a leprechaun or something. Why is he glaring at me is, like that? Is that your value fairy? That's my value fairy. He's kind of demented, but uh, I didn't he's think that the value fairy actually existed. Well, uh, the value fairy was also left on the oil rig with Brittany, mm -hmm. which is why you haven't heard it since that first episode. But if I may, value, value, value. Touche, Brittany. Touche, value. <laughs> I don't know if it works when you say it. No, I don't think it does. Value. Will it? I think it only works when Brittany says it. Value. Awesome. That is the best trick we have. <laughs> that is the only trick it we is, have. It is. It is. It's all that tricky editing. Also, magic. <laughs> Anyways, I'm confused. <laughs> well, we've spoken with Brittany LeBlanc. We've answered some questions from our listeners. Yep. Now I think it's time that Brittany LeBlanc answered some questions from us. Yes. It's, it's what she's been waiting for for 365 days. It's the reason we're all here, and that's to hear Brittany LeBlanc answer the new and improved Fast 15. Now you're getting your little notebook out, which indicates to me that you may have studied for this. Maybe. Even though she claims to have never listened to a show before. I said I didn't listen to my show. I didn't say your show. Oh. Also, I was in the recording for the Edmontonians. How would I have not listened? That's a good question. True. I do not have an answer for you, but you will have answers for us. Indeed. Are you ready? Is this interrogation? Do you want to shine the light a little bit better? The only light on in this room is over your head. It's actually true. <laughs> the Fast 15 with Brittany LeBlanc on the Unknown Studio. Here we go. Number one. Your favorite food. 
at the moment, butter chicken. I really love butter chicken. Nice. Your favorite color? Green. Mac, PC, or Linux? PC. Dogs or cats? Neither. Why is that? Because A, I want to kick off the season with an answer that was never heard last season. Outstanding. Uh, B, I hate birds. Um, so that couldn't be an answer. And I really love my fish. It's the best animal ever. So fish. not Neither dogs nor cats, no. but fish. There you go. Here's a new question. Oh, no. Everybody. Coffee or tea? Oh, effing coffee, obviously. Outstanding. Your favorite holiday? Oh, wait. I wrote this one down. Uh, because I was reading your best of. Mm-hmm. Um, and people were answering vacations instead of holidays. And you would accept it. That's what, a vacation is not a holiday. These questions are open to interpretation. No. Oh, fine. You know what? You're setting the golden standard, though, now, Brittany. The Fringe Festival. There. That's your favorite holiday. That's my favorite holiday okay. because you guys will take anything. We, we will accept that. And you know what? I don't understand holidays. Like, St. Patrick's Day? Really? Why do we celebrate that? So the Irish can get drunk and fight each other. I don't think that was the original reason, but I'm pretty sure that it's basically the reason that it's co-opted the holiday. Yeah, yeah. That's why I celebrate St. Patrick's Day. Your favorite sport? <clears throat> I like watching high-speed chases on American news channels. That is, it is sporting. Um, it is. Shopping, because it's physical, requires okay. high endurance, and it's frequently challenging. I actually don't really <laughs> she, like shopping. She actually has written this stuff down. Um, and laser tag, <laughs> because there should be more tournaments of laser tag on TV. I like Agreed. to laser tag suit up. Correct. Exterminate. Beep boop. Your favorite pastime? Oh, that wasn't on here. Uh, favorite pastime, Jeebus. Um, I just really love hanging out with people. That's a, that is I, just, I love that. Yeah. Your favorite music right now? Hmm. I would say Jonathan Colton. Uh, I'm really digging Skullcrusher Mountain at the moment. Okay. It's uh, really awesome. It's about a supervillain who kidnaps a woman and really wants her and to love him. singing a love ballad to her, it's which is creepy so and stalkerish romantic. and mm. romantic at the same time. Yeah, no, not really. Um, also, The Bomb by, oh no, who sings it? I don't even know. It's a theme song to Lipstick Jungle, of all things, but it's a really fun, upbeat song. Hmm. Not familiar with that one, but that does not mean a thing. Your favorite movie? See, that's so subjective. It all depends. Do I want to get my nerd cred out there, or do I want to, you know, my favorite dude movie? Because my favorite dude movie... Brittany's under the impression that this is a Kevin Smith film and that she needs to be dialoguing like this. I'm sorry. Maybe I don't need to. <laughs> By the way, Just favorite kidding. chick flick, Chasing Amy or Amelie. Oh. So Kevin Smith film. There you go. Um, which I don't know why people don't like it. That's like the best romance movie I've ever seen, ever. Chasing Amy is a really good movie. Also, Amelie, excellent choice. Great. Also so a great movie. Favorite dude movies? Die Hard. All four. All of them are awesome. And I don't care what you have to say about Die Hard 2 because it is freaking amazing. I like Die Hard 2. Fuck off. Please repeat what you just said. I like Die Hard 2. Good. As you should. Especially when they, uh, in the TV version, you know, his his classic line, yippee-ki-yay. In the TV version, they have some old guy over voicing over what he's saying. And he says, yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. It was just <laughs> it was great work. Uh, All right, question number 11, your favorite video game? This is another new question. Favorite video game? Um, I love the Zeldas. Oh, no. I don't know. Favorite video game? That's really tough. And I really dislike you for this question. No, you don't. Um, You think this is awesome. I think it's awesome. You know what? 
this is going to lose me so many points. Um, I really love Final Fantasy X2. And <laughs> and the reason why she loves it? Okay, and this is super lame and totally girly. I love the outfit changes. I love the outfit changes. She I love... loves it because you get to play dress up. I love, I love the battles. I love the storyline. There's so much I love about it. And I'm currently playing Final Fantasy X, which I never played before Final Fantasy X 2. So it really frustrates me when certain characters are doing the wrong thing. And I'm like, no, this temple's supposed to be destroyed. It's not yet. I know all that. <laughs> She's spoiled the entire thing for herself. Yes. I will say in Final Fantasy X2's defense, it was a fun game to play. Harvest Moon, also amazing because I like wooing bitches and raising farms and riding an ostrich. Yeah. Fair enough. Next question. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Hey, that's my question. Yes, I know. Um, hmm. We stole it. No. Uh, instant teleportation. You want to be Hiro Nakamura? Uh, no, you. I know. Um, but no, instant teleportation's amazing because I can sleep in as late as I want to sleep in. Um, if I want to go to Japan right now, boom, I'm in Japan, and then I'm back. It would be amazing. And I would never be trapped on an oil rig ever again. I know it's not a specific, like, superpower, but if I were to be a superhero, I would want to be Dr. Manhattan from uh, <laughs> The Watchmen. Because no pants. That's really the only reason. That is really the only reason. Mind you, I suppose in a less uh, prudish society, the Incredible Hulk would work as well. Because really, if he's going to get big everywhere, there's no way those purple pants can contain that bulge. If you could be any superhero for real Z's, which one would you be? I actually think I'd, I'd like to be Dr. Manhattan because he's, he's a god, which is pretty cool. Also, no pants. Batman. I guess that's true. Batman's pretty badass. Yeah. Um, Rogue. How awesome is Rogue? She's awesome. She can't touch anybody. And she <laughs> learns to get over that with Gambit, and it's really adorable. And she's got wicked hair. I love her hair. Yeah, she has nice hair. Batman. Okay, last of our regular series of questions before we move on to our wild cards. And I'm, really, we kind of already know the answer cards. to this we know, one. We know the answer to this, but we have to ask, Star Trek or Star Wars? I don't give a crap about your Stars War track. Okay, there we go. We just needed that on the record, officially. Now we're into our wild card questions. The first one, mayonnaise or Miracle Whip? Is there a difference? Oh my God, is there a difference? Of course there I, is. For the amount of times I have mayonnaise in a year, which is like a handful, I don't know. I'm an the one hourly that's white. consumer the, of mayonnaise. As they're long, both white. I know, as long as they're not mustard. So is whipped cream. Oh, no, not whipped cream on sandwich. That would just be weird. How are these so, such hard questions for you? <laughs> I don't know. Apparently, I'm a very difficult person. Uh, Miracle Whip. Done. That's oh, my decision. Sick. What? I... <laughs> and your last wild card question. What's your favorite Joss Whedon series? Oh, I hate you. Um... And, and so I wanted, I wanted to be super geeky. Joss Whedon series. Okay, well, I'm probably have, I'm going to have to say Buffy. I mean... All of them have redeeming qualities in their own way. I mean, Dr. Horrible is just adorable, and it's a musical full-time. But Buffy also has a musical episode, right? And that's an amazing episode. Um, I, yeah, Buffy. I love Buffy. Uh, it's It dealt with some huge issues, um, and I think that it's highly underrated for as amazing as it is. Oh, cool. Well, there you go. That was the Fast 15 with Brittany LeBlanc. I finally did it. You finally did it. So we will have uh, another show coming at you in a few weeks time that's true 
Uh, we're lining up some guests for the second season. Lots of excitement uh, to look forward to, and uh, more shows in this style. Style, really. More, more interesting segments to keep it real. More content to keep you listening. So we'd love to have your comments for how we did with this particular episode. We'd particularly want to hear whether or not Brittany was a worthwhile guest. It's cool. I understand that I'm not. No, I think she was. Here. I think she was very good. She is our favorite guest this season. Yeah, favorite this season so Mine far. Mine too. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, so we'd love to hear your comments. You can get in touch with us by emailing the show at theunknownstudio.ca or just leave a comment on our website and let us know how we're doing. Right on. Thanks. I think we're done. Yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks, Brittany. Thank you for having me back. Thank you for staying here for a year. Don't leave me. You've been listening to The Unknown Studio, episode 27. Our guest, Brittany LeBlanc. Pre-production by Adam Rosenhart. Post-production by Scott C. Bourgeois. The Unknown Studio is a proud member of the League of Extraordinary Media. You can visit us on the web at theunknownstudio.ca. Thanks for listening. There is an opposite to jumping the shark. What there is it? Is, there is an opposite term. Diving beneath the no, shark? No, no. You've got... Because when you jump the shark, that's, <laughs> that's when okay. your series has basically reached the moment of fail. Yeah. And it's just yeah. a downhill slide from there. The opposite of jumping the shark is growing the beard. And it's a reference to Riker in Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> because Star Trek The Next Generation got good when Riker grew the that beard. That is fantastic. So a series is said to have grown the beard when it gets deeper and has better characterization and finds the plot and, yeah. and does all that kind of That's stuff. That's wonderful. Yeah. Some series have their beards grown right from the get-go. I'm, I have to figure out how to use this phrase correctly.